Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for the Fox 4 Race Zone Podcast. I'm Sam Atwell. I'm Brian Dooley. And we're here after the Texas race, and one more locks his way into the championship four. We have now reached the month of November. Wow. And uh, the NASCAR season is is coming to a close. It's in eyesight right now. And just one race away for any drivers in the you know round of eight to lock themselves into Homestead. And there are multiple drivers, including my favorite, Chase Elliott, that is, it was already in a must-win after last week, but today it didn't do anything to help, you know, himself out. Yeah, and uh, so two are locked in, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, two spots remain, one race to, one race to win to get in. Uh, so this is going to be interesting next week at Phoenix. It really is. I'm, it was a good race today. Harvick really didn't show a whole lot until the very end of the race, but then once he took the lead, man, he was dominant. Yeah, and, you know, it, it shows how any little mistake can, you know, cost you. Kyle Busch was in the lead, had some trouble on pit road, and that, you know, it ended where, you know, he was, he was probably could have been the race winner, and just little things like that in this chase just can make or break your day. Well, last week's last week's winner, Martin Truex Jr., who was so dominant at Martinsville by leading 460, I think 464 laps of the 500 last week, really came in and pretty much struggled at Texas in a mile-and-a-half track where he has really run well over the last couple of years. But the car just they just couldn't get the car adjusted right, the handle right. And late in the race, they were on pit road with the hood up, and that's never a good sign. But they were okay because they were already guaranteed into the championship round. So it was a good day for Kevin Harvick. Let's go ahead and take a look and see where your favorite driver finished in the Texas Motor Speedway 500 today in Fort Worth. Kevin Harvick takes the checkered flag in first place, locking himself in to the final round along with Martin Truex Jr. At second place, Eric Amarola, his teammate. Uh, Daniel Suarez in third. And fourth, Joey Logano. Alex Bowman fifth. Martin Truex Jr. sixth. Kyle Busch 7th, Ryan Blaney 8th, followed by Kurt Busch and Eric Jones. 11th was Clint Boyer, 12th Kyle Larson, 13th Austin Dillon, 14th Matt Benedetto, 15th Ryan Newman, 16th Daniel Hermick, William Byron, 17th Ty Dillon, 18th 19th Chris Busher, 20th Paul Menard. And 21st, John Hunter Nemechek, followed by Parker Klingerman, Ryan Priest in 23rd, Bubba Wallace 24th, and 25th Michael McDowell, followed by J.J. Yelly. Landon Castle, 28th, Denny Hamlin, and 29th, Joe Nemechek, and in 30th, Josh Balicki. 31st, Ross Chastain, 32nd, Chase Elliott. Boy, he had a rough day today. 33rd, Quinn Huff. 34th, another bad day for Jimmy Johnson. Continues the string of bad days they've had this season. 
35th, David Reagan. 36th, Garrett Smithley. 37th, Timmy Hill. 38th, Corey LaJoy. 39th, Brad Keselowski. Wow, what a bad day for him. And bringing up the rear of the field, the driver whose career is in a spiral downward, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And Stuart Haas had a pretty good day. They did have a really good day. At one point late in the race, they were 1-2-3. Looked like they might get that 1-2-3 uh, that, uh, finish for the, I believe it would have been the first time, but didn't quite end up that way. Well, it looks like Danner Suarez because he's Stuart Haas. Oh, he is. That's right. They did get it. Yeah, see that. I've, sometimes I forget some of these drivers. That I, it took cars. me a second because I think the forty-one when Juan Pablo. I think it was the forty-one, and it was under uh, Gene Haas. I think Juan Pablo. He only raced for Chip Ganassi. I thought Chip Ganassi. That's what I meant. So sometimes I get the forty-one confused because of the forty-two and all that, and so I have to kind of. Th- I forget that sometimes the forty-one. Is Stuart Haas for some reason? I don't know why. My favorite Juan Pablo Montoya story is still the Daytona 500, where he hit the jet dryer, <laughs> burned up the track, and they had to they had to red flag that race after it already been red flagged a for a long time. Well, it's been postponed one day, right? Yeah, yeah. It was on a Monday night late, and the the jet dryer he hit the jet dryer, blew up, burned a hole in the track. They had to patch it. Wow, but. Now, some of the other drivers I'm seeing, you know, in the top ten, Eric Amarola, Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, uh, you know, Kurt Busch. There's these drivers that are not in the playoffs, but and next week we're going to ISM or Phoenix, and that's where Matt Kenseth got his last one, and he wasn't in the playoffs at that time. So, you know, there's still chances that Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. are the only ones locked in, and the other two are going to be just points yeah and as it looks now um like we mentioned early on today bad day bad day for chase elliott um he is what 40 40 how many points is he out of below the cutoff line uh don't know if these are updated yet right now they're showing 44 points below it doesn't matter he he's he he is he is that guy that has to win next week if he wants to continue on because you cannot make up that many points there's just it's just impossible so like you said earlier when to get your way into the championship four i thought honestly that denny hanlon was going to be a lock for the championship four but he had trouble today spinning out didn't hit the wall but man, he went through the grass and then hit that uh, th- that uh, piece of pavement there that they use for their Legends track, and it just ripped up the front of that car, ripped up the, the splitter, and uh, he just it was he was done for being competitive today. But he's one that I could see. You know, Phoenix used to be a track that the winner today, Kevin Hart. Everyone was like, "Well, I'm pretty sure I know who's going to win." At, you know, at Phoenix, but now in the last few years. We've seen some change up there. Kyle Busch has won the last couple races there, but I've seen we've seen Denny Hamlin have you know close has he's been close there before. He's run well. Um, I think it's safe to say that Chase is probably out, and we're not going to see any Hendrick Motorsports cars or even any Chevys um, in the final round. Yeah, I don't. Ryan Blaney today ran really really well with a car that just was not handling and for him to to end up with a eighth place finish was good 
but not enough to get him above the cutoff line. Um, Kevin Harvick, if he hadn't won, he had moved into the position where he was above the cutoff line, but now it doesn't matter. He's locked in. So we've got Truex in. We've got um, Kevin Harvick in. We've got Joy Logano. And who's the fourth driver above the cutoff line? Is it Denny Hamlin? Didn't I thought Denny Hamlin dropped below the cutoff line? I'm uh, right now. Uh, I'm looking at the NASCAR app, and it mine hasn't updated because it's still showing Kevin Harvick below. Well, come on, NASCAR, get this stuff updated. We got <laughs> stuff to do. We got places to go. Come on, come on, come on. Um, but yeah, Harvick and pretty much you know Logano. I think Kyle Larson is below the cutoff line. I, I think probably he's done two. Kind of a bummer after you know the, you know after winning the last round, him and Blaney, and it's kind of each round is different. Truex dominated the first round. Elliott had a win there, and Truex got lucky, had a dominant cart, you know, did what he had to do, the first race in this round, and that's what you got to do. And Chase just wasn't able, you know, to mechanical problems last week, trouble today, just. That bad luck, I mean, that is tough to make it to Homestead because each and every round you got to find that success and you got to get that success early. Truex can afford to have something happen. I mean, he ran well today, still top 10 finish, and he could have something, but he runs well, I think, at Phoenix as well. Yep. But even if something happens, he's locked in. They're all, I guarantee that team, all their, their focus is on Homestead right now. Absolutely. And, and everybody thought that because Texas is a mile-and-a-half track where Truex has done really, really, really well for the last couple seasons, uh, that they would be trying some things out today for Miami. But really, Homestead and Texas are so different as far as banking, as far as surface, as far as other things. The only, the only really similar part of them is it's a mile-and-a-half track. So Truex, I think, was out there trying to, to uh, pick up the win today. Didn't work out. They had some handling problems on that car. Like you say, still a great finish for them uh, with a sixth-place finish. I would, ha- I would think after all the trouble they had, they would be happy with that for sure. So Truex, Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Joy Logano are the, the top four at this point as we sit. The other four, you got to win to get in. You really do. So name those four again. Truex, Harvick, Busch. And Logano. So at this point, it looks like we're there's a, we're, we're probably going to see someone get their second cup championship, which we talked about this in the last show um, after Kansas that we haven't. I mean, Jimmy Johnson got his seventh in 2016. And before that, the driver to get, you know, his third championship was Tony Stewart in 2011. Then you know Johnson had his run in the late two thousands, and then Stewart got his second. So uh, Tony Stewart and Jimmy Johnson, the only two drivers in like the last uh, fifteen years, we've seen get more than one championship. So one of these four, uh, either Harvick, Truex, Kyle Busch, or Joey Logano, who just won his first championship. Last, I mean, all these drivers have won their championship within the last five years. So it's going to be interesting to see them kind of get to soak in that victory again in Homestead. 
So barring barring a, a win by one of the, the the bottom four in this round, and we go to Homestead with the championship four, the four we just mentioned. Who's your favorite? I Kevin Harvick, I think at this point, if you know being in the final four, I'd like to see him get one more. He's you know, the first year I got in the really watched NASCAR was in 2001. And um, so I, I've seen Harvick all this way. He was never able to, you know, make anything happen when he was with uh, Richard Childress. But, I mean, since he's he's been the lead person uh, at Stewart Haas after Tony Stewart's left, I mean, he's been, I think, the dominant car at that team. And I, I think, I mean, today we saw, I mean, there's uh, other drivers at Stewart Haas. I think they're a team that... Next year, we could see more out of them from not just Kevin Harvick. Um, so he's my favorite, you know, not the biggest, not a Kyle Busch fan at all. So it'd be kind of like <laughs> 2015, I was okay after he what he went through that year with his injury at Daytona. So that year was kind of like he really had to come back, and he earned that one. If he wins, he earns it. But he's not my favorite. Truex Jr., I always liked him. So if he got his second one. That'd be pretty neat, uh, especially after you know he went through some stuff after the whole incident at Richmond with Clint Boyer in 2013. I think we talked about that in the last show. Um, really was kind of like, I think you, hoping for Denny Hamlin to get a shot for his first championship. Yeah, I was he, – he would be my – he's my sentimental favorite, Denny Hamlin is. Um, with the season they've had and, and the stuff that happened right before the season with J.D. Gibbs, I, they would be my – they would be my sentimental favorite. Um, I, I think probably Martin Truex Jr. is going to wind up with his second championship. I, I just think that team, they've got seven wins this season. And they seem in this playoffs, they've sent, I mean, they, I think, have the most wins in this playoffs. They have been the most consistent team in the playoffs. And, and really, they, you know, as we've talked about over the year, and it's hard to believe we're down to just two races left. We talked about all year how dominant the Gibbs team has been and how dominant the Penske team has been. And, uh, you know, Martin Truex, I think probably there's some people surprised at Joe Gibbs Racing that of the Gibbs teams and, and all the wins they have, that Martin Truex has the most wins. You would have thought, I, I think most people would have thought that Kyle Busch would be that guy at, at Gibbs Racing. Um, but no, Martin Truex came in there with his crew chief and just dominated Gibbs Racing this year with the with the seven wins. And not to say that Kyle Busch has been bad by any stretch of the imagination. He's got wins. Hamlin's got wins. Everybody on that team has at least one win this season. So I just think I think Truex will probably be the one that uh, – I mean, we talked all year. I mean, really the first half of the season, it was Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske. It was ridiculous. Um, so definitely, any, any you know, shockingly, I mean, we're only seeing one Penske car that's you know probably going to make it to Homestead. Kozlowski just had you know bad luck kind of came into him later on in this postseason, and you know, Gibbs. I mean, that whole team has. I mean, overall, just such. I mean, the Daytona 500 this year, and looking at the, the last two wins at ISM Speedway have been Kyle Busch, so he's pretty much guaranteed in at Homestead already, but, you know, he's got a chance to just guarantee and get that locked in and prevent any other driver because, you know, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, they're still, 
it's a long shot, but I mean, everyone's got that shot at that victory. These are all teams that have made it this far in the playoffs. These eight teams, any one of them could jump up and win next weekend. They really could. They, they, I mean, you're down to the, the the top, basically the top eight teams of the season. Um, not counting Truex and 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 Harvick because they're already in, but any of the the other six of those drivers could pick up and win. I mean, you remember the the round where where Ryan Blaney picked up a victory and Kyle Larson picked up a victory victory. Nobody Yeah, they would have been nobody would have believed that if we had told you that ahead of time. But that's how that that's how that round came out. That's how those guys advanced to this round. And I mentioned uh you know just a few years ago in twenty seventeen, Matt Kenseth wasn't in the but he got his last win there, his last cup win as a full time driver. And you know that kind of spoils any of the other like Chase Elliott that must win. And even this wasn't during the playoffs, but that same year in 2017 in the spring race, Ryan Newman won. It was like a fuel strategy that kind of happened. Yep. But it was kind of like no one expected him at that time to win. Um, I think he was still with Richard Childress at the time. But this is a track like, it, you know, I mentioned before, it used to be Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick used to just dominate this place. But we have seen some spoilers happen here. We've seen we know certain drivers that are, you know, the Joe Gibbs cars do well there. Um, I think it was like the race after Denny Hamlin won his first Daytona. It was I think, or maybe we're thinking another track. But I want to say there was like a photo finish that same year at, at Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, I believe you're correct. I believe you're correct. So it's anything can happen. I mean, we still still have the Phoenix race. Um, the one thing that that I kind of have always felt bad about this new this new format with the final the championship four racing for the championship are the times when somebody outside of the championship four wins the Homestead race, and it's like, okay, well, nobody cares. We got to go celebrate the champion. But we haven't seen that in almost ten years. I mean. 2011, they they hadn't had this format like this because um, it used to just be when they started this in 2004, uh, the year Kurt Busch won, it was just the last 10 races, the top 10 in points, the points reset, and it just went on from there. There wasn't any rounds or anything. And I think after the incident in 2013 at Richmond where they started adding drivers and it was all – and also, I mean, I kind of – um, and 2006, 2010, I still watched racing, but I wasn't. I think I was getting burnt out even as a Hendrick Motorsports fan every year, Jimmy Johnson winning. And then I remember in 2011, watching that race, I was in college and I was, uh, and I went to the um, fitness center to watch it. And it, and it was rain delayed. But watching whoever was going to win between Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards, that was exciting. And like you know, you were saying it used to be whoever won that Homestead race, their win was overshadowed by the championship, and it was exciting. That was the first time it was like, okay, the winner is the champion. And then I don't know when the well the, the year Kevin Harvick won was when they really set off this playoff system, starting with sixteen right. down to four at Homestead. And I, I I'm a fan of this. It makes it exciting. I wish more of the races would be on like on-air TV and not on the 
NBC Sports Network and whatnot. So that's kind of a bummer. And I think for this being a championship, then this is just round NASCAR lands. But I think it gets so overshadowed with football season, college football, NFL. And so the excitement that this is a championship. It gets kind of lost. It really does. And, I mean, they've done they battled this for years. I mean, it's just. It's better than it was because the reason they started this chase in 2004 because Matt Kansas stocked up so many points in 2003. Oh, that was. We knew, like, in August he was going to win the championship. <laughs> yeah, that was. You want to talk about no excitement. There was no excitement that year because it was. It was, it was all over. But I think going forward, and, and we talked about this. Um, a little earlier when I was watching the broadcast and was seeing the aerial shots of Texas Motor Speedway and how many empty places there were there. there that, that place was, it was shockingly empty in my, in my mind. And I know that the people at NASCAR have kind of put that off, said, no, we're, we're okay, we're okay. But coming down this tail, this Here's a racing euphemism for you. Coming down the back stretch of the season, we've seen so many empty seats at these tracks that are normally sold out. The Bristol Night Race used to be the toughest ticket in sports to get. And the Bristol Night Race this year was not sold out. There were so many empty seats there. There were so many empty seats at Martinsville last week. And today in Texas, it was shockingly, to me anyways, and I've been to Texas Motor Speedway a number of times, and that place used to be sold out. I mean, it was standing room only. Less than, well, probably 10 years ago, you, you couldn't get a ticket in there for both races. And now it was shocking how many empty seats there were at Texas Motor Speedway. I think NASCAR needs to find a way to, you know, in the, in the era we are now in the digital age, um, to really market and, and find a way to get – uh, a new generation of fans, and you know, er, er, the year Earnhardt pa- Senior passed away, you know, it's such a tragic start for that season. But my parents, I remember, they were kind of. I was first year. My family, my uncle, um, we had a Daytona 500 watch party, and my mom loved the commercials that NASCAR had. You know, the Dell Jarrett UPS commercials. Yeah. The How bad have you got it? NASCAR did a really good job, and even when I remember. Vaguely, you know, the the Looney Tune commercials with Earnhardt and Junior in 2000 and things like that. The commercials were really entertaining. Uh, even Michael Waltrip's Napa commercials early on, in, you know, when he was with DEI were, were fun to watch. And my parents liked watching racing just because they were like, like a lot of people watch the Super Bowl. I just watch it for the commercials. I knew people every week that were watching NASCAR because the commercials were pretty good. And now... That's very you don't see as many variety. There might be one or two good ones, and you just see it repeated all year. But that helped bring. And then my my mom, she was like, she liked Dell Jarrett because and my dad liked Mark Martin. And but it attracted and a lot of my family. I mean, and I think after Earnhardt's death, a lot of people like family friends I had, they that really showed like the impact how powerful NASCAR was. And so they got curious, and they got into it. Um, but it's a hard sport to really follow. I mean, it's such a long season. We've been you know, doing these podcasts since the beginning. And yeah, it is a long season, that's for sure. My brother every year, would he would try to 
you know, he would kind of, he liked the Daytona 500 parties. My family would throw together the watch parties. And even one year he tried doing, he created this old, we were doing our own NASCAR fantasy thing just within the family. And he calculated the points every week and whatnot. But by April, you know, working full-time jobs, going to college, he kind of he got burnt out. And doing that all the way to November, it kind of died off. And everyone understood. But he's one that he's always tried to keep up. But, you know, by the time the summer, it's just it's a hard, it's a long sport to kind of keep well, up it, with. The season kicks off, really, in kind of a kind of a dead space because the NFL season is over. Baseball hasn't started yet. So you've got from the middle to tail end of February up until basically April where you really don't have tremendous competition. The NBA season is is underway but um so it starts off in a in an area where they're they kind of stand on their own and and they've they've kind of got the 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 spotlight so to speak but then baseball kicks in and then you know you move on into summer and and other stuff is going on and people are outside and i think nascar has tried to find that new generation of an audience because of the way they've set up the playoffs they've they've got the stage racing so that you have some excitement. I mean, I, you and I have sat and watched races that are 500 laps, 500 miles, and sometimes it, in the middle of the race, you're just like, "Hmm, okay, I'm going to I'm going to nap here a little bit. Wake me up when we got 100 to go," you know, because they are long and and it is long. And I think NASCAR's tried to solve that with the with the stage races. And I, I like the stage races compared to the the time clock that they did in the truck series that was, I was a disaster i was afraid that that was going to be brought up and the stage racing i was skeptical i don't mind it so much it lines cars back up drivers push more throughout the race to get that top 10 or win a stage to gain them extra points for a championship run but i think i think nascar has tried to get to this younger generation this shorter attention span generation the monster energy generation who won't sit for four hours and watch a race? The the problem though with NAS, I mean, th- a lot of I know a lot of older fans they get so tired of the constant changes, the the rules package changes every year. Um, you know the the way you know the cars. Um, that you know early on in the the season we talked. It wasn't until really the spring race, mo- a lot of the races were kind of like dull. And if there's a way to like see more lead changes and really cars be able to be more competitive competitive against each other, all the changes kind of burn out some of the fans too. But then you know we're talking about they need to find a way to attract, and that they are trying to attract this newer generation. But also, the problem is is they haven't they don't seem to respect that they've abandoned their their hardcore yeah. longtime fans. You know, this sport came out of the southeast, and as they've grown, as they've tried to attract this newer audience, they've abandoned places like Rockingham, Rockingham, Wilkesboro, um, some of these other tracks. The truck series used to be at some of these great smaller tracks, you know, like South Boston, um, like... um, you know, I, they escaped me, but they were they the truck series went and ran on some of these small bull rings that were great tracks. Now you have the trucks on the same mile and a half speedways that the Cup cars are on and that the Xfinity cars are on, and so much of a, so much of the racing on the weekend it just looks the same. 
There's no differentiation between the, the, the series. The truck series used to be a place where a guy could the, – the truck series would come to town, and a guy who raced at a local track could put some, a little bit of dough together, get a truck – get some tires, and go out there and race with I mean, the NASCAR boys. But you can't do that anymore. They used to race out at Harlan Park in Topeka, Kansas yeah. years ago. And, yeah, that that small town, I mean, ever since, and it really has an impact. Uh, you know, when they quit going to Wilkesboro, that town, that pretty much just really economically hurt that town. Um, and then seeing the footage, I mean, the races there were packed, and NASCAR – can and should invest money into whatever they need to kind of bring that track back up you will you do something like that even rockingham i remember um in college watching the truck race when they went back to rockingham and that was so cool to see that that track and look at what the disney's doing bringing back these live action movies because the disney understands nostalgia wins you know, for me, I went and saw the new Lion King this year because I was like, I remember seeing that when I was four in theaters. And, you know, with Star Wars, um, I'm a movie fan, by the way, too. But <laughs> nostalgia sell and just sort of that, uh, you know, bringing back some of that memories. If they invested in, in one of those tracks, and not just the two we've mentioned, but some of these others. Because for me, I mean, I was able to see a lot of races at Rockingham, but like Wilkesboro, by the time I got a NASCAR, um, it was gone. It was already gone. Um, but looking back now, I've seen I've watched YouTube videos of uh, races there and seen clips recently of people who have gone out there and shown. I mean, it's it's so sad to see these places just left yeah. abandoned. It really is. I, I really think if NASCAR were to get smart about this, I think if they would reach out to their older hardcore fans that they basically have abandoned and and have a have a marketing campaign you know come back to the races you know we we miss you um you know start promoting some of these older stars of nascar like they used to you know you used to go to the racetrack and there'd be you know there'd be guys there from the 60s and well of course some of them maybe may no longer be with us but they used to promote those guys you know they used to be at the tracks Kale Yarborough, um, Buddy Baker, Buddy Baker's gone now too. But some of some of those, you get my point. Yeah, they they would they would celebrate the history of NASCAR. And now that's that's just all gone. And I think if they would make a reach, they they come up with a marketing strategy to reach back to those hardcore fans who walked away. I really think the, I mean, it would be a success. Darlington, I think, has been somewhat successful for the the Labor Day weekend race because. Because they, it's the Southern 500 again. And they do, and they've brought back some of the old, like, Ned Jarrett and stuff. I know a few years, you know, they brought back some of these announcers that, you know, we remember watching and hearing in the 80s and 90s. And then the throwback cars are cool to see. Um, and I think that's one of the top rate is because of that. But it needs they need to they need to make an extended appeal to their old hardcore fans that they turned their back on. Um of course, another part of the the attendance at the tracks has to do with the digital age we live in. You can be anywhere and have your phone, and you can watch the race. You know, if you have if you have a streaming service, uh, if 
your cable. A lot of times, if you if you have cable TV, I know that's not popular anymore, but if you have cable, you can stream the race to your phone. You can get updates on your phone. You can watch on your tablets. You can. I mean, it's there's so many ways to get to see racing or have racing information, and I think that's part of it too. But I think NASCAR's dropped the ball on 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 the fans. I really do. Yeah, and also, I mean, I used to see everyone as a kid. NASCAR for merchandise, it's all online now. I remember seeing, you know, NASCAR stores all over the place when I first got into it, and even you know Walmart um, and places like that. Though Amazon now, a lot of things are, I mean, are kind of struggling with online shopping and whatnot. So, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so, it is so changed the fan experience that I, I know. A lot of my friends who used to be NASCAR fans, my age and you, there's a big difference between you and I. We're a couple, we're a generation, different generations. And my generation who used to be NASCAR fans who would sit and watch every race, every Sunday, it was appointment TV, don't even care anymore. They may be, they maybe will catch the last two or three races of the season when they know who's in the, who's in the battling for the championship, but they won't sit, they won't watch a race, you know, on the, third week of no of april or the you know the third week of july they just they're not going to do it and uh, i just think nascar needs to reach out to those guys and and see if they can bring them back now i say guys i mean guys gals you know everybody because there's some fantastic i mean it's a great sport for the whole family and i think they need to reach out to those older fans again and try and bring them back and see if see if they can fill those those uh, speedways again yeah i, I agree so, well, we have we have, man, we have plowed our way through another another podcast here, and and uh, two races to go. Hard to believe, and I mean, one race we know, you know, any of the four drivers. I think we might know now, but then, you know, the last round kind of, you know, I don't think Kozlowski seemed like he was pretty set. Um, so there's still drivers. There's only two right now that are for sure locked in. Things could happen early on next week at Phoenix. And, I mean, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, um, you know, they played their cards right. You know, just, I mean, Chase, his attitude at Kansas, if he has that one then. But I just, he doesn't stand out to me. He never has since he's been in the Cup at ISM. Hamlin has. But so as, you know, Harvick's, he could win there. And so... There's all kinds of things that can still happen. We've got two spots left to fill. You got one chance to guarantee your your place in the championship four with a win. That that four spots going to have to be occupied by a points winner or two, depending on what happens. I mean, there's still a lot of still a lot of working pieces in this this final race before the championship in Phoenix. So if you have to pick a winner, and we have just done dreadfully this year at picking winners because I think you've you have one right. <coughs> I think we're both one and one. Are we both? Are yeah. we both are we're like one in 30, 30, uh, 33, 34, something like that. So uh, let's put it put put it out there, man. Put it all online. Who's your pick for next week? Oh man, ISM Phoenix. I'm going to – man, this is a tough one. It's kind of like 
I'm gonna go just kind of wanting. I'm just gonna shoot for Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Yeah. I. I honestly. Um, I think Kevin Harvick is gonna go in there and dominate just like he used to. I really do, and I think that's gonna leave two spots open for whoever has the best run. I was bringing Hamlin and Truex. You know, Truex just. I mean, just because we've talked about. I mean, that team has just been so on on it this year well whatever happens next week we'll know we'll know who are the championship for and we will be here to wrap it up and we'll talk about a next week we'll talk about the preview to the championship and just see how well our thoughts have panned out to see who is going to be in who's going to be out and who'll be our 2019 monster energy cup champion Whatever happens, we'll be here to wrap up the the action from Phoenix and preview the action in Miami Homestead on the Fox 4 Race Zone Podcast. I'm Sam Atwell. I'm Brian Dooley. Everybody have a great week out there.